Welcome to the Word on Women's Football Podcast, your platform dedicated to spreading the word of the wonderful world of women's football. Hello and welcome to the Word on Women's Football Podcast, your platform dedicated to growing the wonderful world of women's football baby step at a time. We will bring you a new podcast each and every Monday, ready for your morning commute, the school run, or your general listening pleasure. Make sure you keep up to date with all of our so all of our episodes by subscribing and leaving a review on your podcast provider. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and all major podcast providers. You can find us on Twitter at UKWOWF. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Word on Women's Football Podcast. Instagram by searching Word on Women's Football Pod, or email us on Word on Women's Football at gmail.com. Now, this is a very special week at the Word on Women's Football Podcast HQ. We'll be bringing you our exclusive chat with Aston Villa defender Natalie Haig. We discuss all the latest news and have an in-depth look at the start of the National League. We start this week's pod by looking at the latest news around the FA Cup. You may have seen in the news that Vitality and FA have struck a three-year deal to sponsor the FA Cup from the 2021 season all the way to the 22-23 season. Kelly Simmons has come out and stated this demonstrates the power of women's football. We here at the World on Women's Football podcast agree with the sentiments. Vitality hope to drive more visibility into the women's game, which can only be a good thing. However, when we look at the standard of the FA Cup, mainly looking at prize money, there is a huge chasm between the two male and female competitions. If we look at the winners of the FA Cup in the 1920 season, which is the season that will be finished, the competition that will be finished this season, the winners will receive £25,000, not individually, as a whole. Now, the equivalent in the men's competition would be a second round win with the winners receiving £1.8 million between them. I personally don't see how the same game in the men's competition is a second round where not even the Premier League teams or the Championship teams have entered yet. And yet our fantastic professionals, world-class professionals, are getting the same paltry amount for winning the whole competition as a whole. It's disgusting in my opinion. Hopefully the new sponsorship deal may give the FA some more scope to address the monumental chasm between the two competitions. A good news story to come out of the week, though, was that former England striker Emil Heskey has joined forces with Leicester City to become an ambassador for the women's team. The club has brought in the 42-year-old to mentor the players in their transition to becoming full-time professionals. Heskey stated to have this opportunity to work on such an exciting project from its inception is fantastic. I hope that my experience, input and ideas can help Leicester City women in the transition to the next level. However, he's not the only high-profile men's player to speak out in favour of the women's game. Ian Wright has been singing from our hymn sheet for a long while now. From condemning abuse on social media towards our players, to appearing on national TV singing the praises of the game. Hopefully this is something that we can see to continue. There have been no WSL or Championship games this week as the players have been away on international duty. With England due to host the 2021 European Championships now taking place in 2022, they were without a team to play during this window. With that, Phil Neville's side played an intra-squad friendly on Friday at St George's Park. 
This was streamed on YouTube, the FA Player, Facebook and Twitter, which is fantastic to see trying to get it out there on a Friday night. England White went on to win the 70-minute game by three goals to nil. There wasn't really much to take from the game, but apart from Phil Neville's comment stating that he would like to lead the Olympic team come next summer, adding that the decision is in the hands of the FA. Now, I'm not going to go on a Phil Neville rant here, but as we're moving into a new era with the Lionesses, would it not be better to test some new blood in the role? Someone who one day could fill the space left by Serena Wagman when her, her time finally comes to lead the team. Hopefully it's not for a very long time and after lifting some long-awaited silverware. But that day will come sooner or rather than later. In my opinion, the person we should be looking at to lead GB, Team GB into the Olympics is no other than Gemma Davis. Yes, she's young. Yes, she may not have the experience some managers have, but I have no doubt she'll be a national team manager one day and there'll be no better place to blood her style. If you're good enough, you should get the chance and I truly believe Gemma should have, has warranted this chance bringing Villa up into the WSL from the Championship. She needs to, she needs to have the chance to ply her trade there. Why not try in the Olympics? Elsewhere in Europe, many of many countries continued their quest for qualification. Northern Ireland travelled to the Faroe Islands in the Group C test. They ran out emphatic winners with Simone McGill hitting the back of the net in a 6-0 victory. This handed the Northern Irish a slim lifeline in their quest for qualification, with them three points behind second place Wales after playing an extra game. Now Wales travelled to table-topping Norway on the Tuesday the 22nd, a game that is live on BBC Two Wales and the BBC Sport website. This could well be a pivotal game in the race for qualification and one which is well worth watching. And we have to praise the BBC here for putting this game on actual television. Granted, it's BBC Wales, but if you are a, if you are a Sky customer, you can find that on your box or by putting it on the BBC Sport website where everyone can see it. More advertisement may be needed, but we're getting there slowly and we're getting there eventually. In Group I, Ireland visited two-time World Cup and eight-time European champions Germany in their sixth out of eight games. Three first-half goals were enough to secure the win for Tecklerberg's side, leaving the Irish to fight it out for second place and their potential place in the finals as the best-placed runner-up. Now, for a first on the Word on Women's Football podcast. Earlier this week, I was lucky enough to have an exclusive chat with Aston Villa defender Nat Haig. It was a true honour, and I'm glad to hand over to the interview now. So now for a first on the Word on Women's Football podcast, I'd like to introduce you to Aston Villa defender Nat Haig. So, Nat, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, Jamie. Thank you. Good, good. Um, so you're two games into the season. Not had a win yet, but there's loads of positives to take at the moment. Um, how have you found the WSL this time round? Uh, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's it's so great to see how far the women's game has developed over the past kind of five, ten years. Uh, there's some fantastic players playing in there and, and some world-class teams. So, yeah, it's just great to, to be in amongst it, I think. Obviously, as you alluded to, we're a bit frustrated with the start that we've had. Um, obviously, when you play a team like Manchester City, you know, you expect to be, to be up against it. But essentially, we were the masters of our own downfall and... I think the positives we can take from that is that we showed real kind of spirit in that second half to 
to put up a fight and, and put them under some pressure. Um, likewise with Reading, you know, there's no easy game in this league. They're a very, very tough team to play. And I think we just maybe didn't turn up on the day, but but credit to them. They were difficult to beat, combative, um, and were clini clinical in front of goal. And, and I guess when you're playing at that level, that's what you need to be. No, exactly. Um, so let's go back to how you first made your steps into the game. Um, what was your route into, into the game like? Just generally into football? Yeah, generally into football, yeah. Goodness, all those years ago. Um, I think it was it was different. You know, I'm I'm nearly 32 now, so I've been playing for a long, long time. And and back when I was young, there, there weren't that many girls teams around. Um, I started probably kicking a ball around in the back garden with my two older brothers and my dad when I was little, which was obviously probably where my passion for the game started. I remember going to watch them on weekends. Um, my dad was also a referee. Uh, which was a bit controversial at times, but yeah, fo football's just been in the family, so kind of grew up with it. Um, I started playing when I was around nine, but for, for the first kind of four years or so, I didn't really play in a league as such because there weren't enough girls' teams to, to play, really. Um, and then, yeah, played played a competitive season at seven aside when I was 13 and then went straight to, to Leeds United in their under-16s for for a couple of seasons and then straight into to open age football so not not been playing at a high level um really for for you know a lot of years or grown up in in academies or anything like that that the girls have got now but some really good um memories and experiences of the game and, and obviously just delighted that i'm coming towards the end of my career but i'm delighted that i've been given this opportunity and and i think it's you know it's just great to see the provision out there for for girls and women's football at the moment that definitely has come a long way hasn't it um who would you say your role model was when you were growing up in football? Uh, well, I have to say my brothers and my dad, because otherwise they'll kill me. Um, <laughs> but I think in, in regards to players, um, male-wise, you know, I'm a big Leeds United fan. And, and back then, Lucas Radderby was captain. And, you know, he was just an all-round all absolute legend, like really nice guy, um, a warrior on the pitch, a, a true leader. Um, so I really admired him. And, and I used to go and watch them play quite a lot and had him on the back of my shirt. Um, and then I think in the women's game, you know, back then there was there was still so many fantastic players, um, the likes of Casey Stoney. Um, you know, I, I played with Karen Walker, who's a, an England legend or one of the top goal scorers. And, you know, she was brilliant with us as kids. Um, people like Karen Burke, um, you know, Nat Preston, who people might not necessarily know now, but back then were big, big names in the game. And I think it was just great for me as a kid to, to be playing around those names and, and growing up with them, really. Yeah, you're looking forward to coming up against um, Casey Stoney's United this season then? Yeah, I mean, I look forward to playing every game in this league. <laughs> it's, um, we, we actually played them in a friendly in pre-season. You know, they're a very good side. They've made some excellent signings and, and Casey's a great coach. And I think, I actually think they'll be, not the surprise package, because I think that would be unfair to them, but I think they'll do very, very well this season. Um, I don't think there'll be any surprise about it. They'll be up there challenging for the for the title, I think. No, they certainly recruited well. Uh, looking at recruitment, how do you... Um, see all the new foreign talent coming in. How do you think that's going to affect the league in general? Um, I mean, it's a difficult question. I was asked this the other week and, and my initial thoughts is that it's great for the game over here. I think it, it, it's building the fan base. It's, you know, creating links overseas whereby we're seeing some fantastic talent come into the country and, you know, donning the stage and, and you know, we're seeing young girls can see those players, you know, week in, week out on the telly. Um, I think the only concern um, is maybe what effect that will have on on young English talent coming through, um, because you know don't get me wrong, there's some absolutely brilliant players coming through the RTC systems, 
um, those kids in the Wildcats program who I'm sure will, will you know will go on to be professional in, in a few years time there's players playing in the championship and the Premier League that you know probably could play WSL if they were seen or given the opportunity so it's a it's an interesting one because I think it's it's great generally for the game in this country um, but I'd still like to see you know young young homegrown talent or, or players that have been here for, for a while being given those opportunities and I think you know the the teams and the coaches that have done that. Um, you know they're they're reaping the rewards of that. So it, it's kind of a balancing act, I guess. Like double edged sword, isn't it? Really. Um, so hopefully with this quota system coming, we'll be able to um, pr- progress with that homegrown talent and see the see those young girls coming through from the academies, kind of thing. So hopefully that'll work there. Um, looking back earlier in your career. Um, I'd like to talk about your time with Norland, if at all. How do you find yourself getting there then? It's a far fun place to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, it's an interesting one. Um, I actually, I used to work at a college and a university. Um, mm-hmm. And essentially we were partnered with a charity called Right to Dream. Um, and they are also linked with FC Norland. So we actually went over there as a bit of a CPD trip. Um, and my boss actually dropped me in it a little bit and said that um, I, I was um, I was a footballer and um, you know they they'd started a women's team at that point um, and they were kind of in Division One at that point so there's there's the top league in Denmark they were just in the league below that but looking to get promoted right, uh, right. so so kind of recruiting essentially and my boss kind of dropped into the conversation oh you know Natalie plays football um, you know she used to play for Yeovil or whatever. Uh, why don't you give her a trial? And then out of nowhere, um, a couple of weeks later, I flew back out. I had a trial um, and the trial was successful. So I ended up signing for them. And unfortunately, I was only there for about eight eight weeks over the summer um, because I was still working full time in, in the college. Um, but I was really grateful to, to Heartbury for, for allowing me that opportunity. And yeah, it's been one of the one of the best things I think I've done in regards to my career. It's, it's nice to go it's a, um, An interesting move, Denmark. Um, neutral fans might not be aware of the great work you do with the community around Aston Villa Foundation, but you're awarded with the PFA Community Champion Award. Um, can you tell us a little about your work with the foundation? Yeah, so um, I'm an ambassador for, for Villa and Proud, um, which is a group that works to promote equality and diversity, um, obviously as part of Aston Villa Football Club. Um, not just with the LGBTQ community, but across kind of all areas. And, and they link really closely with the, the foundation as well, um, who I've done a, a bit of work for during the season last year. So I was lucky enough to be involved in, in a project with the National Literacy Trust. So just encouraging um, young people to, to, to get into writing and develop literacy skills for life, um, which was really exciting. And, and funnily enough, I'm, I'm going to be involved with something uh, coming up later in the year with them as well. Um, and then I think part of that is is a little bit closer to home as well. So we, over lockdown, we, we tried to do our best to help support our, our younger players in our RTC, um, just by checking in with them, uh, make sure they were okay, putting on quizzes and, and different bits and bobs, you know, just to show that, you know, we were there for support if they needed us. So it was it was a real team effort. And I think I've just been lucky to be at the at the forefront of some brilliant projects. But, you know, it's, it's an honour to do it. And, and like I said, it's something I hope we can continue this year as well. No, definitely. It's a really good um, pathway to see. So, Gemma Davis is one of the youngest managers in the league. Really admiring, really admire what she's done, given her age and experience in the game. 
What's she like on the um, training ground and on the sideline? <laughs> uh, what a great question. Um, Gemma's brilliant. I think, you know, a lot. I've seen a lot lately around her age and I think it's it's um, kind of a relative at times. Like, I think if you're good enough for the job, you know, you should be there. And she's somebody who's worked ridiculously hard to, to be where she is. And, you know, she'll, she'll say herself, she's still learning um, every day. She still picks up things here and there. But, you know, ultimately she's striving to be better. And, and I think that makes us as players strive to be better for her. Um, she's a hoot on the training ground. You know, she's serious when she needs to be. Um, she knows her stuff, but she's a manager who's very personable, um, very approachable. She's very good at, at building relationships with individuals um, and groups and, and the team in, in general. Um, and I think that's why most of us enjoy playing for her because she she really cares about you as a person as, as well as the player. Um, and ultimately, I think that makes you want to work harder for her and, and give her that respect. Um, I, I've got no doubt that she'll be England manager one day um, if she keeps going. Question. Yeah, so sorry to jump the good, Jamie, but yeah. I think, you know, it's it's um big big boots to fill and I'm sure there's plenty of other people in the in the next few years that'll be up there, but you know, she's absolutely brilliant and I think if you asked anybody at the club they'd say the same thing. Uh, she's definitely um got to be in and around the job when the position comes up, hopefully a long time away. Of course. Uh, so who'd be the player you're most looking forward to playing against this season then? I always find that a difficult question because if I say somebody uh, like Lauren James, for example, or, you know, Rosa Bell, somebody like that, am I going to enjoy it for 90 minutes running after them and, and getting up egg the turn? Probably not. But no, I think, do you know what? There's so much talent in the WSL now. Um, I remember back to when we played Chelsea last year and we were playing against the likes of Beth England and Sam Kerr, um, you know, Arsenal, they've still got Jordan Nobbs running the show in, in centre mid as well as, you know, Miedemar scoring goals up front. Um, so I think there's not one player in particular. Um, I think Lauren James at United is going to be a, a real talent this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing how she does across the season, but not necessarily yeah, against us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, just like I said, there's so much talent in that league. It'd be hard to pick out one player. It certainly is. Well, in my opinion, it's the best league in the world now. It's definitely took over the NWSL especially with all the players coming over. Um, what was it like playing at Villa Park in the first week of the season? Obviously, result aside. Yeah, no, you know, it's always um, a real kind of honour to play there. Um, I think it's it's a shame that not more clubs are more open to their women's teams playing there. It, I understand at times why it's not allowed to happen, but I think that, you know, what, four or five days out of the week, that ground stands still and empty. Mm. Um, and I think, wouldn't it be great if clubs could create a culture whereby their fans are supporting their men and their women. Um, I know rugby rugby are a great example whereby they'll have, you know, games at Twickenham Stoop for the women and then they'll have the men playing at Twickenham or, or both at Twickenham, one after the other. Um, and I think, you know, there is scope to do that with the amount of money that's piled into football clubs these days and the maintenance of the grass and stuff like that. I think it, it would just be great for the for the sport in general. Um, but yeah, playing at Villa Park's always lovely. The pitch was a carpet when we played there. Um, yeah, I, no complaints at all from me. Um, I think we're looking forward to playing at our new ground as well. We've not played there yet. Um, so we're, we're really looking forward to going to Warsaw and playing there. Um, but obviously it's always nice to play in, you know, at your home, um, if you can say that. The only difference would have been could we have had fans in the ground. Um, you yeah, know, it's, that's, that's the real shame, isn't it, in the moment? Kind of thing. But hopefully... A couple more months we'll be able to have people back in grounds. Yeah, especially when you think back in the 
late 80s, the reserves teams used to play at men's grounds when they weren't playing there the weekend. So I certainly think it's doable, but I have no, I have no power. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Finally, one of our last um, questions is, what message would you give to any girls out there who want to follow in your footsteps, want to be the next Nat Hay, want to be the next woman star? Um, my first piece of advice would be to not follow, follow in my footsteps because I think, you know, there's there's so many opportunities now for girls to be seen, to, to, to get, you know, play for a good club, join an RTC, even playing for their grassroots club. You know, there's so many opportunities now for girls to play, not just in this country, but wherever they want to. And I think it's just awareness and education around where those opportunities are and how to access them. Um, I think not being afraid to put yourself out there. I would say that's probably one of the things that's got me, you know, it got me in at Yeovil, it got me in at Villa. I'd retired pretty much from playing and I kind of, you know, said, I'll give it one more shot. And I, and I went to a trial, I put myself out there and I had to go through, you know, three or four phases of trials before I found out whether or not I could train with the team. So, you know, every manager is different. You might be the best player to one and the worst player to another. And I, and I think that's just something you have to accept. So work hard, stay true to yourself, keep learning um, and above anything, just enjoy it because it doesn't last forever. You never know when it's over. That's the thing, dear. No. Thank you, Nat. Um, if anyone who hasn't already followed you on socials, where can we find you on social media? Uh, so I'm on Twitter, um, Nat Haig6, and I'm also on Instagram, just Nat underscore Haig. Perfect. Well, no, no games this weekend, international break. Anything nice planned? Um... My goodness, no, not really, because we're still training. Uh, and we found out yesterday we're doing conditioning on Sunday. So rather than playing, we're going to be running. Life of a life of a professional athlete, hey, but we, we love it. It's a love-hate relationship. Um, hope your old team, Yeovil, will do well against um, Portsmouth on Sunday. Looking looking to get their way back into the championship. Um, once again, Nat Haig, thank you very much. Thanks, Jamie. It's a pleasure. That was Nat Haig there on what will hopefully be the first of many exclusive interviews. This week sees the new National League season kick off. Now, for somebody like myself, who until recently didn't know much about the setup within the National League, I'd like to try and go through it briefly now. Now, the structure within, the U- within England in women's football is set out like this. So in Tier 1, we have WSL. Three of those teams, the top three teams, will move on to the Women's Champions League, with one team being relegated to the Championship. Of course, there are 12 teams altogether. We move into Tier 2, which is the Championship. One of these teams, the champion, will be then promoted, taking the place in the WSL from that relegated team. And then one team will move down into the National League. That will be then Tier 3. Now, Tier 3, we have the National League Premier Division. There are 24 teams within this league they are split into two conferences we have the north and we have the south in the north we have burnley derby county Fylde, huddersfield town hull city loughborough foxes middlesbrough nottingham forest sheffield fc stoke city sunderland and west brom in the south we have cardiff city chichester and selsey crawley wasps gillingham hounslow canesham town mk dons oxford united Plymouth Argyle, Portsmouth, Watford and Yeovil Town. The top from each league, the champion from each division, will then go up into the WSL. 
in, sorry, not into WSL, into the Championship. Um, there will be a playoff then between the two champions to see who is the overall Premier Division champion. So it was getting complicated. So there's 24 teams there. Then we move into Tier 4. Tier 4 has, these National League Division 1, has 47 teams in Tier 4. Split into four different leagues. Or conferences, as you were. We have the North Conference with 12 teams, which has Barnsley, Bolton Ladies, who used to be known as Bolton Wanderers, but they've dropped the Wanderers tag, now become Bolton Ladies. We have Bradford City, Bryhouse Town, Chester the Street, Chorley, Durham Sestra, Leeds United, Liverpool Feds, Newcastle United, Norton and Stockton the Ancients, and Stockport County. We move into the Midlands, we have another 12 teams. We have Bedworth United, Baldmere St Michael's, Burton Albion, Doncaster Rovers Bells, Holwell Sports, Leafield Athletic, Lincoln City, Long Eaton United, Solihull Moors, Sporting Calsa, I apologise if that is an incorrect pronunciation, Wemtown, who used to be known as the New Saints, and Wolverhampton Wanderers. We move into the South East Division with another 12 teams. We have Actonians, AFC Wimbledon, Billericay Town, Cambridge City, Cambridge United, Enfield Town, Hashtag United, who until this season were known as AFC Basildon, Ipswich Town, Kent Football United, Leighton Orient, Norwich City and Stevenage. Then we move into the South West Division with 11 teams. We have Brislington, Buckland Athletic, Cheltenham Town, Chesham United, Exeter City, Larkhole Athletic, Maidenhead United, Poole Town, Southampton FC, Southampton's Women's FC, not to be confused, and Swindon Town. A fantastic array of places there, and a fantastic uptake of teams within the four divisions, four tiers of English football, I apologise. I really do think that we need to ensure that within the podcast we do look at all of these areas and continue to promote as far and wide as we can. So let's have a look at this week's results. We'll start from tier 3 and move our way down. If you hear your team mentioned during the podcast, make sure you let us know on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Some teams will have more of a description than others, mainly because of action I've been able to see or updates I've had from people on Twitter. Anyway, let us start. We'll start with tier 3, which is the National League Premier Division, Northern Premier. Huddersfield Town 3, Fylde 3. Middlesbrough Town 1, pardon me, Middlesbrough 1, Hull City 1, Sunderland 1, Burnley 2, Derby County 3, Loughborough Foxes 3, West Bromwich Albion 2, Nottingham Forest 2, Stoke City 1, Sheffield FC 0. A very tight division we can see there with only two games gaining three points. We see Burnley take an early lead there to in the race for promotion. However, there has only been one game. A very tough division. I'm very much looking forward to see how all the other teams play against each other. Now we'll take a move into the Southern Premier. We have Gillingham 0, Oxford United 1, MK Dons 1, Watford 4. This game was played at the... Um, MK Dons Arena. From what I've heard, quite a good uptake of ticket sales as well. 
If you're in the Milton Keynes area, please make sure you get down there to see them more often. Fantastic rate of football. May have lost today, but I'm pretty sure we'll have some fantastic games going on ahead within the season. Moving on, we had Hounslow nil, Crawley Wasps 5, Canesham Town 5, Plymouth Argyle 1, Yeovil Town 2, Portsmouth 2. This is one of the games that we featured in last week's pod as one of our games of the week, as you were. We saw, we saw Portsmouth coming from behind twice to secure the draw. Very tight game, very entertaining game from what I have seen as well. That wraps up Tier 3. We'll move now into Tier 4, which is Division 1, the Northern Conference. In this conference, they were two games were postponed. We had Durham Sestra versus Newcastle was postponed, and Bolton Ladies versus Stockport County was also postponed. One would believe it's due to the COVID restrictions at the moment, but nothing has been released from the league. However, they were postponed a long time beforehand, so read between the lines there, guys. Anyway, moving on to the results. Norton and Stockton Ancients 2, Leeds United 1. Norton and Stockton came from behind in that game to beat Leeds, which is a good, good three points there. Bradford City 0, Chester the Street Town 1. Bryars Town 1, Liverpool Feds 0. Chorley 1, Barnsley 0. Moving more south now, we're moving to Division 1 Midlands. Bedworth United 1. Holwell Sports 2. There's a late goal, late penalty goal for Bedworth to get one goal there. Um, Holworth Sports were down to 10 players, so they did well to hold on to their their lead. Then we move into Baldmere St. Michael's 2. Doncaster Rovers Bells 2. The game really paled into significance when there's a serious injury to Holly Rogers there. Everyone at the Word on Women's Football podcast, send their best wishes to Holly and really hope she's back for playing very soon. Get in touch if you hear this, Holly. We'd like to hear from you. Moving on, we've got Lincoln City 1, Long Eaton United 1. Long Eaton were down to 10 players in the first half, then down to 9 in the last 15 minutes. They did really well, actually, to hold on to that point after a bit of ill-discipline there from Long Eaton United. Now, a scoreline that we've seen quite a few times at WSL this season. We had Solihull Moors 9, that's 9, Burton Albion 0. We had hat-tricks from, I apologise again if I get the pronunciation wrong, Syphon Wright and Jeffries within this game. This is a league record scoreline. Fantastic game from Solihull Moors. Well done, guys. Keep up the hard work. Again, if you hear your name mentioned, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. That other tricky name now I'm going to have. It's Sporting Calsa 2, Wemtown 1. A very tight game by all accounts. And we finish off with Leafield Athletic 0, Wolves 6. Big win from Wolves there. Moving south again, we move to Division 1 South East. We have Ipswich Town 1, Hashtag United 0. Now this game is important because it was a 200th appearance for Lindsay Cooper. Well done, Lindsay, on that performance. Please... Again, keep in touch. And there was a stunning volley from Lucy Egan, which, to be honest, the hashtag keeper had no chance of saving it. Not many keepers would have had a chance of saving that at all. Well done there, Lucy. Fantastic goal. Cambridge United 4, Norwich 1. Cambridge City 0, Billericay Town 4. My, my soft spot for that club, my hometown. Well, 
adopted hotel, shall we say. Uh, there were three quick heart first half goals for Billericay, which set up the win. Well done, girls. Keep up the hard work. Actonians, five. Stevenage, nil. AFC Wimbledon, three. Enfield Town, two. This game saw AFC Wimbledon take the win in the sixth minute of injury time from Jessica Lurie. Fantastic performance. Well done. Leighton Orient, one. Kent United, Kent Football United, one. Moving now into the last set of fixtures, we have Division 1 Southwest, Pool Town 1, Southampton 5, Buckland Athletic 2, Southampton Women 0, Chesham United 4, Swindon Town 2, and finally Lark Hill Athletic 2, Maidenhead United 2. Really enjoyed looking at the National League this week, it's something I'd like to keep up. So let's have a look at the Tier 3 and 4 fixtures for next week. All these games are taking place at 2 o'clock on Sunday the 27th of September. Please make sure if you're in the area, get down and support your local team. They'll be open you with welcome arms. Obviously, please keep social distancing aware and COVID guidelines in mind at all times. Of course, these games are all subject to change depending on what the government decide to do. Anyway, let's not worry about that. Let's have a look at the fixtures for next week. We have Burnley taking on Huddersfield Town in the Northern Premier. Fylde taking on Middlesbrough. Hull City taking on Sunderland. Loughborough Foxes taking on Stoke City. Nottingham Forest taking on Derby County. And Sheffield FC taking on West Brom. We move into the Southern Premier. Where we have Chichester and Selsey taking on Yeovil Town. Crawley Wasps taking on Milton Keynes. Hounslow taking on Jenningham. Canesham Town taking on Portsmouth. Plymouth Argyle versus Cardiff City. And Watford versus Oxford United. Now, it must be said the Plymouth Argyle game versus Cardiff City is a 2.30 kickoff. And the Watford versus Oxford United kickoff is at 3 o'clock. Moving down to Tier 4 now, we have um, the. Division 1 North. These games are going at Sunday at 2 o'clock, unless stated otherwise. We have Barnsley versus Bolton Ladies. Chester the Street Town versus Norton and Stockton Ancients. Leeds United versus Durham Sestria. Liverpool Feds versus Chorley. We have Newcastle United versus Bradford City. And Stockport County versus Bryhouse Town. Moving a little bit further south now, we have the Midlands Conference. We have Burton Albion taking on Sporting Calcer. Doncaster Rover Bells taking on Bedworth United. Holwell Sports taking on Lincoln City. Longinch United versus Boldmore St Michaels. We have Wem Town taking on Leafield Athletic. And Wolverhampton Wanderers taking on Sullyhill Moors. Southwards again to the southeastern region. We have Billericay Town taking on Ipswich Town. Enfield Town taking on Leighton Orient. Hashtag United taking on Cambridge United. Actonians versus Kent Football United. Norwich City versus Cambridge City. And Stevenage versus AFC Wimbledon. And finally, moving into the South West Division, last but not least. We have Cheltenham Town taking on Chesham United. Exeter City taking on Poole Town. Southampton taking on Buckland Athletic. And finally... Swindon Town taking on Lark Hall Athletic. 
Now, we're very near the end of this podcast for this week. We've got a few last things to wrap up. Last week, you may remember us talking about the We Support Your Local Team tour. However, as always, we've decided to have a little rebrand of this. And we are now going to call it the 94 tour. Why a 94 tour, you hear me ask? Because people who follow the men's game will realise that a certain band of fan has decided to take it upon themselves to complete the 92 league grounds or league games from everyone from the Premier League down to League 2. Now, I think, uh, maybe on please get in touch if you've done this, and I'd, we have to have proof though, of course, I think we could be in a minority where nobody has completed all 94 teams of the of Tier 1, 2, 3 and 4. Women's Word on Women's Football podcast is going to change that. We aim, by the end of whenever we end this podcast, to visit each and every one of the 94 teams within the four tiers of women's football. Yes, there are tiers below. However, if I did that, I wouldn't see my family. And to be honest, it would be hard to get a pass out for that many games. We hopefully will be starting our first feature of the 94 tour next week. I've got a couple of a finger and a couple of pies. Let's see where we're going with this. When we feature the 94 tour, we will talk about, obviously, report on the game that we are at. We'll talk about what the club has on offer for a match day. We'll try and get some player interviews, try and get some manager interviews, exclusive parts for you, and really sell the club because we want to see as many people attending as many games as possible. Now, if you are, if one of our listeners here is involved with one of the clubs in the four tiers, or it has an affiliation with them anyway, please pass on the pod to them. Pass on our details. We'd love to be able to come and feature your club in the '94 tour. Now, moving on to it, we've already looked at next week's fixtures in the National League, which by far is far more interesting than some of the fixtures we've seen so far. But this week sees the return of the FA Cup. This is the 1920 FA Cup rather than the 2021 FA Cup, which has already started this week with the preliminary rounds. If we were to go through those, we would be here all night. Now, let's have a look at the quarterfinals. So, as far as we can see, there is one televised game this week, which is the Arsenal versus Spurs game. That's on Saturday the 26th on BBC Two at 5.15pm. What is that I hear you gasp? Women's football on terrestrial television, not on the red button. I know. Maybe somebody listens to the podcast, who knows? But it's fantastic to see BBC. Well done, keep it up. Now, I can only see this going one way, and that is the way of Arsenal. They have been emphatic so far. 6-1, 9-1. I don't see where the goal is coming from from Spurs. Alex Morgan should be available by then. Maybe that'll have a, a factor on the game. Maybe we'll see her tea-sipping celebration. I can't see it personally. I can see only see one thing happening, and that is a red win in North London. Moving on, we have Everton versus Chelsea. Conflicting one for me, because I'm meant to be impartial. However, I am an Everton fan. My heart says that Everton will win. My head is not so sure. Again, Chelsea have been fantastic this season. <laughs> It's got to be a Chelsea win. This game is on the Sunday. It is only available so far, I may be wrong, on Everton TV, which you have to be a member for. 
mm, controversial subject, you will leave it at that. Um, yeah, Chelsea win. I hate to say it, but Chelsea win. Anyway, moving on quickly so I can forget all about that. We then see we have Brighton versus Birmingham. <sighs> Birmingham are really well to get to the quarterfinals, actually. And maybe it'll be that little catalyst to kick them on throughout the season. If they perform like they did in the first half against United, they could go on to beat Brighton. However, I can only see a Brighton winning this game. Finally, we see a game that actually could well have been the televised game for the neutral. It is Leicester City of the Championship versus Manchester City of the WSL. Now, I'd love to see a cup upset. I would love it, in the words of Kevin Keegan. However, it's a Man City win for me. So I see the way, I see the semi-finals looking like this. I see an Arsenal versus Man City final, semi-final, sorry, and an Everton, ver- oh, no, <laughs> a Chelsea versus Brighton semi-final. A slip, a slip of the tongue there, trying to get Everton into the semi-finals. I tried, Blues, hopefully you can do it for me next week. Now, that sees the end of this, the fourth episode of the Word on Women's Football podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. We had a lovely um, lovely lady get in touch with us earlier this this week, saying how much she's enjoyed the podcast. Please, if you're enjoying it, get in touch with us. We don't know you're enjoying it unless you tell us about it. Drop us a message on Twitter. Drop us an email. Drop us a message on Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And if we start getting a few more, we'll start putting them on the podcast, giving you all your reviews out there. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at UKWOWF. You can find us on Instagram by searching Word on Women's Football Pod. You can find us on Facebook by searching Word on Women's Football Podcast. And continue to support us. We love the game. Honestly, it's a fantastic thing to be getting involved with. And we are nothing without you guys. So thank you for being there for us as well. So let's continue to spread the word. The word on women's football. <laughs>